the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. I'm so glad you're able to join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about, questions about God and the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about worldviews and world religions. But from time to time, we have authors, artists, guests who are making a difference in the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. And joining me is Pastor Skip Heitzig. You just heard him. He's heard every day right here on KRKS from 3.30 to 4. And Skip has graciously agreed to come on the program. Skip, welcome to the program. Gino, great to be with you and your audience. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. And, um, you know, I I was watching some of the um, video that was done with your friend and my friend, Joel Rosenberg. You spent a little bit of time um, in the Middle East, in Israel. We're coming up on 90 days, three months since October 7th. I know you went to Israel. You you visited some of the places where the worst atrocities took place near the Gaza border. Tell us what prompted your your visit. What because um, what prompted you to say I'm I'm going to go there now? Well, you know, Gino, I have been to Israel. This was my 42nd trip. Mm-hmm. I first went there back in the 70s, lived on a kibbutz when I was single. So I lived there from sort of a local's perspective. I've taken many tours there. But I feel like this is the most important trip because it wasn't for learning or for pleasure or for something I could get out of it, but something I could observe and then give to it. So it's like a friendship. You know, mm-hmm. um, friends are there in thick and in thin. And there's something about going and standing next to somebody who is suffering with cancer or some loathsome disease or is struggling, and you're just there to say, I know about it, I'm, I love you, I'm with you, I'm praying for you. And I'll tell you what, that meant a lot to the people in the land, people mm-hmm. that I've known, people that i met, uh, families, uh, family members of hostages family members who have lost loved ones who were butchered that day. So just to have people from the outside fly all the way, you know, they they noticed that. And and it was much appreciated. That's why I say I've been many times, but I think this is the most important because I, mm-hmm. we were making the statement that we want to learn more. We want to learn why. We want to learn uh, what we can do to help. And we have done uh, our church so far, uh, my wife has an organization called Reload Love, mm-hmm. and uh, we've given $100,000 uh, to um, the families who are struggling, especially the kids, and we plan on doing more. So this was partly an assessment, partly a um, a way to say we stand with you. 
Wow. And I know that leading up uh, on October 7th, you were very much aware what was going on. You followed the news, kept uh, informed. Did this trip, what, was there something startling to you? Obviously, you, you, you know a great deal, but w- were there some things that impressed you about this last trip? Yeah, there were. Um, I wasn't expecting a couple of things. When I got to the uh, airport at Ben-Gurion, it was a ghost town. Mm. Nobody was there. First of all, nobody flies into Israel unless you're in Israeli Airlines, El Al. But everybody else, no, uh, you know, is not landing their airplane. So it was it was odd to be in that airport and then to go to Jerusalem. And I went to the Western Wall. Um, just to pray for the hostages, and it was a Thursday night. It's pretty packed mm-hmm. uh, with um, Jewish worshipers at the wall. Nobody was there. I mean, just a handful. But it was just a. It, it was a ghost town, and so so that was startling. Number one. Number two, you could feel a national sense of mourning, like the whole nation was crying. They felt like it wasn't just. Um, a person that I heard about who lives down south that had these things happen. It's like it was my mother, it was my daughter, it was my son, my grandson. People take it very personally because in comparison to our country, which is so vast and populated, Israel is is pretty small. And um, so, you know, you've heard, we've all heard the comparisons. It would be like several 9-11s happening all at once. But usually I would run into people who actually knew families. Um, You know, it's like the degrees of separation were very minimal. So that startled me that everyone kind of in the whole country is in mourning. Um, The third thing that I noticed that was strange from every other time I've been is that the rockets are still coming. There are still Hamas cells in Gaza that have the capability to fire rockets. And when yeah, we were in Tel Aviv one day, yeah, it is startling because you think, well, they've taken them out by now. But, you know, if you keep keep in mind, there was a couple of weeks there was a negotiation with Qatar and hostages were being released. And the Israelis knew, OK, great, we're getting hostages, but we also are running the risk that these terrorists are regrouping and they're moving mm-hmm. from one spot to the next. Uh, because we're not shelling them, we're not getting intelligence and using it, and so they were using it to sort of regroup and 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 reinitiate the conflict wherever they could. So when we went down to the kibbutz that was affected, the kibbutzim that were affected down south, um, we we were first introduced to uh, a military um, like a colonel who was basically mm-hmm. saying you're in an active war zone there's the bomb shelter if you hear a siren you have 10 seconds to get okay. into that bomb shelter mm. because we were at the border with gaza i could see gaza city with my eyeballs just looking at it so we were pretty close but even when we were in tel aviv one day just eating lunch and having a meeting the sirens went off and hamas was shelling the city of tel aviv with rockets and right above us you could see the iron dome you know come out mm-hmm. and knock out the rockets so you know we were right there and there 
they're still able to do that. And then finally, I'll just say this. The thing that really grabbed my attention was the national sense of resolve, mm-hmm. meaning we are not going to let this happen anymore. We're going to put an end to it. We're sick of it. We're not going to live with neighbors that want to kill us. Uh, this is the tipping point. And let's finish this task. And I didn't meet anyone, whereas before I did. I used to meet people who talked about a two-state solution. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about that anymore. It's like, yeah, too little, too late. We're going to finish the job. You know, it seems to me that people have talked about uh, the displacement that's taking place, but very few people talk about the Israeli displacement in the south and in the north. Um, mm-hmm. That that there is this growing sense that that. Israelis will not return to the northern border until that border is secure. Uh, We've only got about 30 seconds. So I guess, Skip, can you stay with me another segment? Yep, sure will. I'm going to ask you about um, the possibility um, of, 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 of this conflict expanding to the north. And it seems to me that that like Hamas presents a, a problem, Hezbollah seems to present an even greater threat. I'm going to ask you about that threat when we come back. My guest, Pastor Skip Heitzig, he's heard right here from 3.30 to 4 o'clock. And, of course, you can find out more about Skip by going to uh, his website at Connection. You can go to skipheitzig.com. You can... Um, and, and his broadcast, The Connection with Skip Heitzig. This is Gino Geraci. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. It's great to have Skip Heitzig. He's heard right here uh, on KRKS from 3.30 to 4 o'clock. And, of course, you can go to skipheitzig.com and listen to him anytime at The Connection with Skip Heitzig. And, Skip, before we went to the break, we were talking about your recent trip to Israel, your visit to the the traumatized people who are there, um, and w- many people aren't reporting the incredible displacement that has taken place of Jewish people in the southern part of Israel and the northern part of Israel. The the ever increasing uh, tension by Hezbollah for people who are unfamiliar with Hamas and Hezbollah and all of that stuff. Uh, could you give us a little bit of an explanation of who these two groups are and and the displacement of the Jewish people and whether or not you sense that this conflict may expand? Yeah. Uh, first of all, these are two groups that they're two of many groups. Um, we're only talking about two. In fact, most people get get them often confused the palestinian authority uh the islamic jihad uh, the al-aqsa martyrs brigade hamas hezbollah there are several splinter groups but mm-hmm. they have one thing in common even though they share many things um that are opposed to each other the thing in common is a common hatred for the jewish state um these are and there are some groups that are more radicalized mm-hmm. than others uh, but these two groups that you mentioned are both groups of their proxy groups of the nation of Iran, the Islamic Republic of Iran, which is the world's biggest state sponsor of terror 
on the earth. And uh, so they're, they're simply doing the bidding of the Shia Islamic regime with the Ayatollahs. Mm -hmm. Very dangerous groups, but even if Israel wins uh, the battle, and they will with Hamas, and if there is another battle with Hezbollah, which would be much bigger battle than Gaza, um, the real problem is still the head of the snake is Iran. So mm -hmm. they're going to have problems as long as, as as the regime in Iran is allowed to continue. At some point, the civilized world is going to have to deal with the threat that is Iran. Not only do we know it, not only does Great Britain know it, and many European heads of state, people in the Middle East know it. They know it in Saudi Arabia. They know it in the United Arab Emirates. They know it in Egypt. Everywhere there are Sunni Muslims, they believe that the real problem is the Shia Muslim movement, mm -hmm. the other division of Islam that is headed by Iran. You, you have had several conversations with people who are decision makers in the Israeli government, government and around that region. Do you believe that there is no possible way that the modern state of Israel can allow nuclear weapons in Iran? Will they do whatever is necessary to make sure that there is no such thing as a nuclear-enabled Iran? I think that's safe to say that. Um, because, you know, Netanyahu has warned the world about this for years, decades, as long as he's been prime minister. Even when people didn't even think much of Iran at all, uh, he was saying that the, that the greatest threat in the world is the Iranian regime mm -hmm. and their want, their desire to, to become nuclearized and weaponized. And, um, boy, he, he's been proven right time and time again. So um, that's the threat that they're going to have to deal with, and that's the threat we're going to have to deal with. Unfortunately, we have an administration that is giving billions of dollars uh, to them in hopes that that will quell their bloodthirst and their desire to um, uh, become more radicalized. The, the truth is exactly the opposite. The, the currency that is respected in the Middle East, especially in that part of the Middle East, is power. And mm -hmm. um, we need strong leaders, not weak leaders, who will give money and enablement to Iran. You know, I, I'm, I'm hearing so many different conflicting stories, but one of the things that you and I have talked about uh, over the past couple of years is that more Muslims have come to Christ in the last 50 years than in the last 500 years. You have this conflict. You have these issues. Um, tell, tell, tell me your thoughts on how the war helps or hinders the gospel, um, because it seems to me that in times of great crisis, both Jew and Gentile, Jew and Arab become more and more open to the reality of God, the promise of salvation or the hope of salvation that's found in Christ Jesus. Can you give me a little bit of your thoughts about that bittersweet situation where the conflict brings a greater or a lesser possibility for the proclamation of the gospel? Yeah, Gino, you touched on the silver lining and the dark storm cloud, and that mm -hmm. is that the gospel is not chained, and that what God meant for what Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. 
And so as horrible as this situation is, as horrible as any war is, um, you mentioned Iran. We've seen incredible numbers of people. The stories that we've heard over the last several years of people who have come to faith in Christ under the iron thumb of the Iranian regime are outstanding. Stories of Jesus appearing to people over and over again, uh, the same kinds of radical conversion stories that while um, while the kind of terrorism that is being exported all over the world is going on at the same time from heaven, God is importing the gospel into hearts of anyone who is open. And that's happening in Gaza. I've heard several reports mm-hmm. um, as horrible as it is down in that war of people coming to faith in Christ through dreams and visions. Mm-hmm. So it's like Paul said, you know, I'm in chains, but the gospel, the message is not chained. Now, recently, you also spoke about this prophetic alignment that seems to be taking place, uh, the joining of Russia, Turkey, um, Iran. Um, You know, Anne Graham Lotz famously said, I don't see a world falling apart. I see a world falling into place. Do you see prophetically an acceleration of things falling into place? I do. I, I I can't be precise on on where we are in that prophetic scenario. However, we're seeing something that Ezekiel predicted that we have never seen before. We have never seen Persia or Iran mm-hmm. um, align themselves with um, Magog, with Russia, uh, and with um, Turkey. And that's what Ezekiel predicted, that there would be a coalition of those nations and and other ones in the upper Nile region um, in the last days. And there would be a war against Israel. So, you know, now we are seeing those three players in particular um, that are aligning themselves together and they're aligning themselves together against Israel. And so so we might be seeing the road either toward Armageddon. Uh, certainly it's being paved, but more so the, the, the war of Gog and Magog. Um, it's closer than ever before in terms of seeing things unfold in alignment with, together with these nations. We've never seen that historically like we're seeing it today. I want to be careful and, and, be, mm-hmm. and, just, and, and be cautious and say, I don't know if this is it, but it could be uh, a preview of coming attractions. Well, in the last few moments that we have together, Skip, what are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? What are you anticipating for the for this new year? Well, with this war, Gino, I think it's going to expand. Um, it has the possibility of expanding. They're already fighting it on several fronts. They're certainly fighting Hamas, but... Um, they're still shelling up north. You mentioned people in the north being displaced. Right. Hezbollah is sending rockets. If if they open that front, if that front becomes an all-out war with southern Lebanon, which is quite possible because Hezbollah has inculcated itself in that country, and uh, Lebanon is sort of now the victim state right. of Iran— if that happens, it's going to be quite significant because Hezbollah has far more armaments, more trained militia and armies, and their 
capabilities are um, smart bomb capabilities. They're, they're not going to fire rockets indiscriminately. They're going to be very precise. And so the firepower in the north is much more significant than even in Gaza. And if people want to participate with Reload Love, where would you direct them to go? ReloadLove.com. We have been able to send $100,000 to help uh, the, the uh, children of these kibbutzim and villages and, and help them out, and we plan to do more of it in the future. Well, again, thank you, Skip Heitzig. Listen right here from 3.30 to 4 every single day to The Connection with Skip Heitzig. Skip, as always, thanks so much for being my guest. My privilege. Thank you, Gina. Thanks, Skip. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. Just hung up with Skip Heitzig. You hear him from 3.30 to 4 o'clock right here on 94.7 KRKS. And uh, just getting a little update on what's going on in the Middle East. If you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303 873-1935-303-873-1935. 873-1935. Would love to hear from you. Would love to take your question about God, the historical Jesus, about the Bible. We talked um, a little bit about what's going on in the Middle East. If you want to carry on that conversation, we can. We talk about the past, history. We talk about the future, prophecy. We talk about current events. And over the past several months, I mentioned that I was trying to finish Kai Bird's book, um, Oppenheimer, The American Prometheus, because I, I, I noticed that the film Oppenheimer came out. I was debating on whether or not to see the film. I have not seen the film, but I understand that it won five, count them, five Golden Globes last night, including Best Drama, uh, Best Actor, and so apparently uh, from some of the people I've talked with, it's a, a pretty amazing film. Um, other people I've talked with said that there are some points in the film that um, were unnecessary. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out whether or not I'm going to be able to watch it. But 303 873 1935, that's the number if you want to join me on the program. And what's interesting, um, I discovered Barbie took the award for cinematic and box office achievement, but everyone, everyone who attended the ceremony won something. They received, this is crazy to me, a gift bag worth half a million dollars. You heard me right. $500,000 gift bags for the people at the Golden Globes. 38 different items included Colombian emerald earrings valued at $69,000. Six bottles of wine worth $193,500. Jim Dennison at the Dennison Forum at ChristianHeadlines.com says something really interesting about that. He says 
giving such opulent gifts to such wealthy people seems to say something about the materialism of our consumeristic culture. The two movies pointed in the same direction, he says. He writes, reviewer Simon Western explained the popularity of Barbie, the highest grossing worldwide movie of 2023, quote, it reaffirmed the chosen ideology of our times, that is, American dream individualism, which makes us feel that we are filled with individual agency and are in control and that we can choose our future, unquote. 303-873-1935, that's the number. If you want to join me on the program, it seems to me that um, there's an ever-increasing challenge that we have as Christians in the culture that we're living in. I was reading a a review um, about a book written by Stephen um, McAlpine. It was reviewed by David J. Nixon, and he was talking about this book, um, um, how to being the bad guys, how to live for Jesus in a world that says you shouldn't. But in this book, you know how to be the bad guys. He he's pointing out that the Christian is literally going against the flow. I've been watching carefully um, contemporary commentators who are at least self-described, dare I use the word agnostic, leaning towards atheism, Douglas Murray and Tom Holland. Um, I've spent now hours with Douglas Murray and Tom Holland um, with things that they've written. I actually appreciate uh, their insights. Um, I don't share their worldview they both point out that without the biblical roots of our society, we lose the fruit of Christianity. There was someone else who came to that conclusion. Oz Guinness used the metaphor of picking a flower. Imagine you cut a flower. It's beautiful. You separate it from its roots. The moment you cut that flower, you know that it's going to die. And so both Douglas Murray and Tom Holland, who aren't Christians by any stretch of the imagination, and Oz Guinness, who is one of the most wonderful, thoughtful Christian commentators of both the 20th and the 21st century, pointed that out. How can we recognize our culture? How can we abandon our biblical roots and still retain all the fruit of Christianity. And there seems to be growing evidence that that's not possible. Obviously, in the conversation that I just had with Skip Heitzig, the gospel is the gospel. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is a better story than the other stories that the other people are coming up with, that our world is 
just simply the product of unguided processes that doesn't make a whole lot of sense and doesn't seem to be indicative of the facts of the world in which we live. But what was interesting about this book and the review was practical strategies for being a faithful Christian living in the church, in the modern workplace. Um, What do we do in a world that seems committed to being openly hostile to the Christian worldview, promoting um, diversity, inclusion, equity, and I use it in that order, D-I-E. E instead of DEI because it becomes sort of an acronym for the failed philosophical uh, worldview that is literally eroding our culture. But again, many, many people, including people like Erwin Lutzer, have talked about drawing inspiration from biblical stories like Daniel exiled in Babylon, Haggai rebuilding in the day of small things. And again, Paul writing in the New Testament about this very original sin city of Corinth, which um, even Las Vegas would have blushed a little bit had um, people walked down the streets of Corinth. But many Bible teachers and many Bible writers are beginning to suggest that there's a better alternative than compromising cultural assimilation, despairing cultural withdrawal, or angry culture warning. He's wondering whether or not we can go forward to engage this world bravely and courageously with love and concern and to continue to point people to Jesus and then to be all that Jesus wants us to be in this world. What an interesting observation. I have more to say about that when we come back. 303-873-1935. That's my number. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. If you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. When I walked out of the house this morning to go to the church, it was 19 degrees. And I got to tell you something, these sub-freezing um, weather, the sub-freezing weather just makes these old joints Creek, And I unfortunately had a knee replacement several years ago. And when it gets cold, it really, really, I can feel, feel in that titanium knee of mine, the cold. But you know what? Um, I am so happy about, with my friends at QC Kinetics because guess what? I, I discovered that you don't have to be to have awful joint pain and that there are some uh, alternatives to surgery. And so guess what? 
you don't have to go another year uh, compromising because of that pain in your knee or shoulder. You can call QC Kinetics now. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative non-surgical pain relief. Your body has what it needs to restore and repair that damaged joint tissue, and QC Kinetics can make it happen. No drugs, no surgery, no downtime. And the future of pain treatment has arrived. QC Kinetics has tens of thousands of satisfied patients all over America, people with back pain, hip pain, any pain associated with arthritis or injury. And again, it's not just a Band-Aid. It's a revolutionary treatment that gets you moving again. You can get your life back. And listen, again, it's non-surgical. This might be the year that you decide to fight back against that pain. Take the first step now. Call QC Kinetics. You can get a free, did I say free? Free consultation on the calendar Today, call 303-900-8986, 303-900-8986. Make that appointment now. 303-873-1935 is the other number if you want to join me on the program. And like I said, it's easy to do. I'm not a big fan of the Golden Globes. I did not watch them. Um. But I also, um, dare I say it, I know somebody who went. And um, again, they each received a gift bag worth half a million dollars. That's just crazy to me. And um, I haven't seen the movie. I'm debating on whether or not I will see the movie. But um, the New York Times did an interview with the director who happened to win a Golden Globe, Christopher Nolan. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the movie uh, Oppenheimer, it centers on J. Robert Oppenheimer, who uh, was the person who was instrumental in building the first atomic bomb, the first atomic weapon. Um, It literally led to the two bombs that would be later dropped in Nagasaki and Hiroshima, which sort sort of initiated, if you will, the atomic age. And in this article, this uh, interview with Christopher Nolan for the New York Times, Nolan describes Oppenheimer, and I found this really, really interesting, as, quote, the most important person who ever lived. Now, I think that that's an interesting statement to make. The most important person who ever lived. And so he explains his choice of Robert Oppenheimer as the most important person who ever lived. He said, quote, if my worst fears are true, he'll be the man who destroyed the world. What's more important than that? And of course, Jim Dennison at the Dennison Forum at today's (laughs) 
posting, you know, you can find him at the Denison Forum and also at the Daily Article for the Denison Forum. And I, I've grown addicted to his articles. He, of course, answers that question, who's more important than the man who might destroy the world? Jim Denison rightly points out maybe the person who created the world. And, of course, Jim Denison's vote is the same as my vote in the sense of who would I vote for as the most important person who ever lived? Well, of course, it would go to Jesus Christ. When we ask and we answer the question, who's more important than Jesus? And whatever measure you would use to measure greatness. And oh, by the way, I think it's impossible to say that there will never, ever, ever be another nuclear bomb exploded in on the planet Earth. That's probably unrealistic, but I think we have good biblical reason to believe that the world will not end in a nuclear conflagration. There's going to be a series of events that unfold into the future that will, that's been predicted, prophesied, if you will. Will there be wars and rumors of wars? Yes. Will there be wars of nations against nations? Will they continue? I think so. Will there be a series of events that will precede the coming of Jesus Christ? The Bible makes it abundantly clear that Jesus will return. And Jesus himself points out that unless those times were shortened, all flesh would cease to exist. I think if we ask Jesus, is it possible that human beings will destroy themselves in a nuclear conflagration? I think the obvious answer is, well, the only thing that would prevent that from happen, happening is what Jesus has already predicted. He makes the statement that when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? And of course, when you look around the great big world in which we're living in, you see repeated reports of mass casualty shootings. You have to wonder, have we literally grown accustomed to mass tragedy? So 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. We hopefully are going to be able to take some calls and answer your questions. Hey, if you've ever wanted to call, um, be thinking about the next hour because I will be here taking your calls. The number is 303-873-1935. And um, we're coming up on a break, but if you're calling, I can hear the phones ringing. We hopefully should be able to take your call and answer your question when we come up to the next hour. Love, love, love to uh, talk about some of the new questions that we've answered at gotquestions.org. You know, 
some of the more um, interesting questions. You know, it's it's interesting to me that people ask the question, does God exist? My friend Lee Strobel has written a book on that subject. But again, if we ask a kind of a different question, why does God exist? What is the reason for God's existence? Might be a little bit different, but hey, 303-873-1935. Give me a call. Love to hear from you. This is Gina Geraci. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.